You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. For as long as I can remember, there have been people in my life whose opinions have mattered to me, mattered greatly to me, two of them, of course, being my mom and my dad, uh, but especially my dad. And uh, whenever I accomplished something growing up, uh, which was rare, but uh, whenever I accomplished something or uh, played a Little League game or a high school basketball game or, or built something or planned something, I wanted to know what Dad had to say about it. I wanted to know what he thought. I would go up to him and ask, Dad, how did I do? I would go up to my mom with my grades. I wouldn't go up to my dad with my grades. I would go up to my mom with my grades. And, uh, or a project, and I always called her Amma. Amma, what do you think? I would ask for my brother's opinion. Uh, I had teachers or, or men in the church where I grew up. And I would ask, what do you think about what just happened, or how did that go? By the time Tracy and I uh, got married, I already asked for her opinion and insight often. It's only grown since then. When I moved down here, and I became the youth pastor at this church, I would go up to men in the church. I would go up to the pastor, and I would ask all the time, how did that go? How did, how did everything go? I remember when we had our first youth rally here, and we had visiting churches. We had food. We had games. Uh, it was a, like a four-hour youth rally. We had preaching, singing, and I thought it went really well. Uh, but the first thing I did when it was all said and done, I went straight up to the pastor and I asked him, what, what did you think? And I remember him saying, I thought, it went, I thought it went really well. But do you know what I was doing? When I asked those questions to my parents or my brother or my teacher, men in the church, whoever it may be, I really only wanted to know one thing. I wanted to know, were they pleased? Their opinion mattered to me. Their opinion matters to me. So I wanted to know when they looked at who I was or when they looked at what I did, were they pleased? Now, I will say this. It's not always good to care about what everybody thinks about you. Uh, you cannot live your life constantly worrying about what everybody might think. Uh, then you get to a point where you're watching a football game and you see the team huddle and you're wondering what they're saying about you. You can't be living your life that way. But I think everybody has those people in their life that they want to please. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as, I mean, it, I guess it depends on who those people are. But I'll tell you, the more and more I travel down this road that is called pastoral life, I do still have people that I look to. I, I look for their insight. I look for their opinion. I mean, just this last week, it, it warmed my heart to have different church members come up and say, that was an incredible week, and I really enjoyed it, and I'll never forget it, all those things, or I needed it. But something longer than this past week, I, I can't put a, put a date on it, but something that I haven't been able to stop wondering about for a long time now is what does the Lord think? Is the Lord pleased when he sees me? When I read this verse, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I don't think I've ever been more comforted, and I don't think I've ever been more scared by the same verse. 
But I know that he sees me. But when he sees me, is he pleased with what he sees? And more than I could ever care about what my wife or my parents or my family or any human thinks, I care about what the Lord thinks. Is my life pleasing to God? I've wrestled with that question. When I get to heaven, will he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or will he not? And I couldn't get that question out of my mind. I still haven't been able to. I started looking up every verse in the Bible that spoke about the Lord being pleased or the Lord taking pleasure in something or the Lord having favor upon somebody. I found a lot. The Lord talks about being pleased with Enoch. It talks about taking pleasure in his people. It talks about taking pleasure in the prosperity of his people. He, he loves you and he loves it when you do well and when you prosper in life. Uh, it talks about the Lord being pleased that in Christ all fullness should dwell. I mean, just all over the place. I started marking and marking and writing down. But I, I wanted to see what the Bible said about God being pleased. Because my thought process was this. God said, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, if I could find what pleased God in the past, then I could safely conclude that the same things would please him today. And whatever those things would turn out to be, I would resolve to do them with all my heart. And I'd like to share with you this morning just a portion of what I have found. I could not share with you everything. Sometimes reading the Bible is like shopping at Target. And I don't want to be irreverent. But you go into Target for one thing. You know what you want. Or at least men know what they want when they go into Target. Ladies just go into Target wanting to find what they want, and that is why it is so dangerous. But men know what we want. Or, gentlemen, we go into Lowe's or we go into Home Depot or Bass Pro Shop, something like that. We're something manly. Um, and we go in because we want one specific tool and maybe you, well, we're men. We don't ask where it is. We just wander around until we find it. And then you look at that aisle and you say, oh, that's the tool I'm looking for. But then you widen your gaze. And you're like, wow, I never knew they made a tool for that. <laughs> and the reason you never knew that they made a tool for that is because you never thought about doing what that tool does. But then you start thinking, how can I start doing what that tool does? And then once you get that in your mind, then you're thinking, how do I explain to my wife why I need to do what this tool does? And I'm telling you, I went into my Bible, just, Lord, just show me. I, I, just, I wanted a verse that said, do this and you will please me. And I didn't really find that. I, I, I've, I found the answer to my question, but I found so much more. But of all of the passages that I found, after I read verse after verse after verse that mentioned God being pleased, three passages stood out to me with unity in my mind. This is in no way a comprehensive study of do only this and you will be pleasing to God. That's not what this is. And if the Lord wills, I, I, I might turn this into a series of messages on Sunday morning on, on pleasing God. But when I saw these three passages... They fit together in my mind. And I hope that I can bring them out with clarity 
They make sense in here, but that scares me as well. Um, so I, I, I hope that I'm clear and I hope that the Lord uses it. But don't you want to know that God is pleased with you? When he looks down at you, don't you want to, if, if the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, he sees exactly who you are and everything that you do. Is he pleased with what he sees? Let me show you one of the verses that I found. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 3? Matthew chapter 3. Now, let's not be coy with each other. When I ask a Sunday morning crowd, when the Lord looks at you, is he pleased? You might have to come back and say no. And if that's the case, change. And I'm going to try to show you how and what we can do. Maybe your answer is, I'm not sure. I hope so. And I hope to give a little bit more clarity and what's the word I'm looking for? This is what happens when I get away from my notes. I, I, I want to give you more, more of, a, of a comfort that, okay, this is at least something I can do that I know the Lord is pleased with. So Matthew chapter 3, look in verse 17. You know this story. This is where Jesus is being baptized. We'll start in verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The parallel passage of this in Mark 1.11 says, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Luke 3.22, another parallel passage. Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. And even though it wasn't the tool that I was going to buy, it wasn't necessarily the answer to my question just yet. I wrote this down. It pleased God when Jesus came. It pleased God to send Jesus. I want you to think about what is going on right here. At this point in his story, Jesus has already lived for 30 years in a sin-cursed and God-rejecting world. 30 years away from his throne. 30 years robed in flesh instead of robed in his glory. 30 years living among men instead of living among angels. 30 years, the Bible says, growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. 30 years being tempted like as we are yet without sin. For 30 years, Jesus had walked among us in the swamp of sin and wickedness, and he never once stained his garment. He never had to say, I'm sorry. He never had to say, it didn't, I didn't mean it that way. He never had to say, give me another chance. For 30 years, God on high became God with us. Jehovah became Emmanuel. Holiness came to dwell among filthiness. The Almighty came to live among the lowly. The Son of God came to be the Son of Man. Infinite became incarnate. And I had to ask, why? 
why would Jesus come down to earth? Let's keep it simple. He came down because we needed him. When the night was cold and dreary, he came. To his children, worn and weary, he came. To bring us out of darkness and make us his again. At the right time, at the best time, he came. He came because we needed a redeemer. He came because there's no way we can save ourselves. And he saw that. He came because he saw our hopeless condition bound for eternity in hell unless he came. Did he have to come? Did he owe us something? Did he bear some type of obligation? All of the debt was on your account and on mine. If you read Psalm chapter 2, you will read this statement. God told his son, ask of me, ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. God loved his son so much that he said, son, you just ask for it and I will give you the whole world for your possession. But Jesus said instead, I love the world so much. I will give myself for the world's redemption. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And for 30 years now, the one who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he was God, instead made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And for 30 years, in the midst of nothing but a sinful and a disobedient population, God could look down and see his beloved son, the only one on earth who could have followed his own will and still have been righteous. Do you realize the only time we will ever do right in our life is when we do God's will for us, not our own. Every single time we follow our will, we're going to do wrong. Jesus was the only one who could have said, I am going to do things my way. And it still would have been God's way. And yet, he submitted himself to the will of his father. And now right here in Matthew chapter 3, what I see at Jesus' baptism, God's plan of redemption is about to launch into its final stages. And the father wanted everybody to know, this pleases me. Now, of course God would be pleased. It was his plan from before the world began for man to have eternal life to spend with him. When God made man, he made man upright. He made man to have access to the tree of life so that we could live forever. It was always his plan. Second Timothy talks about that. Titus talks about that. It was his plan before the beginning to have eternal life given to men. And now through the ministry that Jesus is about to start with his baptism, 
the way of eternal life would be made clear. And when the eyes of the Lord looked down and saw his son in that moment, as in every moment before, he was in every way well pleased with him. And I had to write that down. This passage showed me it pleased God to send Jesus. So I, note, I noted that. Then I found this passage here. Isaiah chapter 53. Let's read in verse 1. This passage is too powerful not to read in its entirety. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, spoiler alert, that's Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Listen to me. Man's need for salvation, I can understand. I can understand man's need for salvation. But God's love and willingness to personally meet that need, I cannot understand. That only God can provide the way for salvation, I can understand that that God would choose the way of the cross to bring that salvation, I cannot understand. 
that God would be pleased to send Jesus, I can understand. That God would be pleased to bruise Jesus, I will never understand. Why would God be pleased when his beloved son took my place? Why did it please God to let Jesus bear my griefs and carry my sorrows? Why did it please God to wound Jesus for my transgressions? Why did it please God to bruise Jesus for my iniquities? Why did it please God to place the chastisement of our peace upon him? Why did it please God to whip him when it is us who deserves the stripes? He never went astray. He was in every way well-pleasing to God. It is all we who went astray. We are the ones who sought everyone his own way. Why did it please God to lay on him the iniquity of us? He had done no violence. There was no deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It is you who should be bruised. It is I that should be chastised. It is we that should bear the punishment for our iniquities. We slid the card, pay the bill. We made the bed, sleep in it. Why would God, who has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, be pleased? to bruise his beloved son. When I was the taker, why was Jesus the giver? When I was the guilty, why was he the sacrifice? When I stood condemned to death, why did he take my place? I will never understand it. But it must be because of love beyond degree. For some reason, it pleased God to bruise Jesus instead of me. Instead of you. And yet people ask all the time, why does God allow such suffering? Why does God allow such hardship in this world? He sent his son to this world. He gave his son to save this world, and this world has rejected him. It's not because God doesn't want to help. It's not because God doesn't love. We worship money. We worship sensuality. We worship immorality. We worship sports and hobbies and careers and education and possessions. We live for everyone and everything except the one who died for us. And this is not what I was looking for. I just wanted to know how to please the Lord. I just wanted to know, Lord, when your eyes go to and fro throughout the earth and they behold the evil and the good, am I the evil? Or am I the good? That's all I wanted to know. I just wanted one tool. That's it. And then all this rushes at me. 
and now I see it pleased the Lord to send Jesus. I got that. It pleased the Lord to bruise him? What, is, what does he mean? And then when I think of how many years that I've wasted, so many of my best and my strongest years are already gone. I'm turning into my dad every time I look into the mirror. My hair is retreating. It's thinning. All I want to do is sleep and watch the weather channel. I look back at my life and think, so much of it is already gone. If, 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 I, if everything goes right, let's say I live 70, 80 years, that's not a lot of time. And that's why, that's why I started to look, Lord, with this little bit of time that I have left, I at least want to live it in a way that I know I'm being pleasing to you. He gave everything for me. I must give something back to him. Whatever it takes, I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I have to know. Don't you want to know? What can I do to please my king? What can I do to please the Savior? And when I saw these two verses, it brought me to this realization I wanted to know, Lord, show me how I can please you. And because of all that he did, do we realize that God could ask nothing of us that would be too high of a price? God could require nothing of us to gain his pleasure that would be too costly. And church, if there is even an ounce of love in your heart, if there is a shadow of gratitude in your soul, if there is a wisp of desire in your mind or a bit of initiative in your body to please the Lord, tell me, tell me, what could God possibly ask from us that would be too much to pay to be pleasing to him? He could ask us to give every penny of our increase back to him. Would that be too much to ask? He could ask us to abstain from all earthly joys would that be too much to ask? I talked about this with the Sunday school, the boys' Sunday school, third through, third, through, third through fifth grade. Say that six times fast. And I asked him, I said, what could God ask that would be too much to be pleasing to him? I said, what if he asked you to pluck out your eyes? Would that be too much? said, what if they asked you to crawl on your knees over broken glass for a mile once a day? That would be pleasing to me. Would that be too much to ask? said, what if he said no more bacon? Would that be too much to ask? They didn't answer that one. What would be too much to pay to please the Lord? Do you realize he could come back to us and say, Insert your name here. You are the reason my son had to die. There's nothing you can do to please me. 
Consider yourself blessed. You're not dead today. But don't expect for one moment that your life can bring pleasure to me. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say any of that. And he does give us ways to please him. And there's many. But this one stood out to me. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me ask you this. If God asked you to die on a cross as his son had to die on the cross, would that be too much to ask? Wasn't it our iniquities that sent him to the cross? Keep that in your mind. 1 Corinthians 1.21 For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. He could ask for anything, and it wouldn't be too much. Anything. And he asks this. God says, it pleased me when I sent Jesus. You know why? Because that is when God's word was revealed. And even though I don't understand it, he says, it pleased me when Jesus was bruised. Because when he was bruised in your stead, my word was fulfilled. Now, if you would please me, this isn't the only way, but here's a really good way. Why don't you just believe that what my son did, he did for you? And why don't you tell others that my son did it for them too? After all Jesus did, after all my beloved son did for you and for the world, would somebody believe? And would somebody tell what he did? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach in what you say, not just what you do. Your words, not just your actions, as well as your actions. Preach when you feel like it. Preach when you don't feel like it. Preach to people who want to hear. Preach to people who don't want to hear. But he says, here's a really good way to please me. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then let your life be a sermon that points people to him. God says, that pleases me. Is that too much to ask? Believe 
and preach the gospel of my beloved son? Trust your soul to him and then give your life for the one who came and died for you? Is that too much? But hang on. That's not a simple task. Who here wouldn't say, I want my life to be pleasing to God? Everybody. But church, we can't please God while we're pleasing self. And we can't please God while we're pleasing the world. You know why? Because we can't preach the gospel when our lives don't match the gospel that we're preaching. When we do that, Romans tells us the name of Jesus isn't proclaimed. The Bible says the name of God is blasphemed. If we would please God, it must go deeper than what we say. This is what I started to see. It's got to go deeper than what we say. There's plenty of people who say whatever they need to stay out of trouble. They're called politicians. If we would please God, it must go further than what we do. There are plenty of people who do the right things for the wrong reasons. They're called Pharisees. And what I saw is if I would please God, that has to come from who I am. If we are who we are supposed to be, then that will have no choice but to come out in what we do and in what we say. And no, this is not the only way we can be pleasing to the Lord, but this is a really good way. When the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, this is one of the things he's looking for. Are you a preacher of the gospel? Or are you just living your life with your ticket punched to heaven, not sharing anything? Do you realize when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, remember what we learned on Wednesday? You are not your own. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify self. Therefore, glorify God. Could Jesus ask too much? Could God ask too much? Remember what I asked you? What if he asked you to be crucified like his son was crucified? Would that be too much? And what does Paul say in Galatians chapter 2? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You please the Lord when the Lord looks down. Boys, boys, you've been talking the whole time I'm preaching. I want you to pay attention. This is the most important thing going on right now. When the Lord looks down, I don't want him seeing me living my life for me. I want him to see his son living through me. If the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good, then when God looks at us, what does he see? And according to his word, would he be pleased? That's a haunting question. 
and a question that I hope we take very seriously. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.